This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. As somewhat usual, I'm doing this podcast intro live on Instagram, so you might get to experience some questions from the uh, viewers. Someone just said, love your book. The previous topic, I'm not, I'm going to use facial language here. I'm not really, okay, so that question I'm not going to answer, but... And, uh, all right, so love your book. That might be too confusing for my podcast listeners. If it is, Casey, my main editor, do your thing. So I'm introducing Mason Taylor, who is a Chinese Taoist herbalist from Eastern Australia, Mullumbimby to be exact, if you've ever been, holy moly, one of the most breaking normal places on earth. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about initiations. We talk about bubbles and creating your own. We talk about his dad passing. That's a, obviously going to be a very touching topic. We talk about jing, marrow, uh, the word sorry. We talk about where a lot of my roots, actually, because that's how he knows me, from Rob Bras. And uh, it's a fun, fun interview. He has his own dietary supplement called Super Feast, which I've used some of their mushrooms before. And they take their supply very sincerely. As I do, as if you're watching on Instagram, you can see my Tribe vitamin bottles here. And I have the flagship product on display, the bison liver. Wow. I mean, arguably, for one single ingredient powder... I would say it's the most potent for the most people. So I'm just more, I get so excited every time someone tries it and I definitely get very affirmed when I get these crazy testimonies that range from a lot of gut issues going away and then a lot of women that just don't want to go a day without taking these things. And I think it's because it has the most like God-like natural formula for the most potent potent dose of bioavailable heme iron, which I think is really good to microdose on the daily, especially for women that might be low in it, um, but not to eat too much at once. So that's why I think what's going on is working pretty well here. Hey, Casey showed up on the podcast. So Casey Percussion, if you're watching on uh, Instagram, is the editor producer of this podcast. So thank you for being here now and for so long. And I keep I remember a future that keeps getting better. I also see Grant Cherry here, local all-star who's also been on the podcast. Great show. I wonder if y'all have listened to it. There's a lot of there's been a lot of great shows recently. We had uh what Aaron Meshke on the show. Uh man, that was powerful. And she had she was probably a major catalyst for getting the mask mandates lifted in Boulder, Colorado. And I was very inspired from her to take action in the ways that were most effective. And now that is a reality. So let's celebrate Aaron, super mom of four, holy moly, and then tie the fish. Did y'all listen to that most recent one about uh, the capsule of comedy being making the hardest pill in the world to swallow known as the truth much easier? It's like the best capsule for it. Yeah, tie the fish really 
brought that. He really brought that good comedic alchemy and a lot of synchronicity. And I actually just saw recently he had a show scheduled in Orlando that he canceled again. They canceled another show because this time the venue, and he didn't know that, obviously he didn't know this was going to happen, are testing people for the C word in order to see the show. And he did not want to do that himself. And he does not want to put that in anybody else. So he canceled the show. There's something much more valuable than money, y'all. And his career is blowing up. So let's talk about that. I'm getting a phone call. Let me deny that real quick. Um, if anyone has any questions, let's let them roll. And in the meantime, I will brag about the product that's on display above the bison liver, which is the heart on. And if you can see that there, this is a blend of what I think I mentioned that bison liver is the most potent powder to microdose on daily. Well, I would say the most po even more potent than that to not to have every day, but to have at the right time to, when you want to get your heart on, especially big. Oh, you can't hear me anymore because uh, I guess my Instagram fan friends and fam can't hear me anymore. Let me press X and then get back on for that. One moment, y'all. But what I was saying, um, if any of y'all are just following me right now on Instagram for the first time, I'm doing a podcast intro with the gut. So I'm continuing that. Here we go. So what I was talking about was the Harton being a blend of not only the bison liver at 33%, but also the bison heart raw freeze-dried at 33%. And bison heart, by the way, if y'all don't know, is probably one of the best sources in the world for CoQ10, if you are at all looking for that. A lot of people are looking for that in the wrong places. So I would get it from where it comes from, the heart. And I would get it from the best um, place to get it. And I would say that's 100% grass-fed bison. Anybody watching 1983 or Yellowstone, uh, one of the recent episodes of 1983 shows a bison hunt that includes eating the heart raw in a very, to me, inspiring way. Um, and there's a reason that's been a sacred act way before pharmacies and fences and finances were even a part of this land known as, we'll call it North America. And then finally, the biggest percentage of what's in there are the raw, freeze-dried, 100% grass-fed bison testicles. And there's really no way, like anyone listening to this is really not going to know anyone to give them any feedback or data on that because barely anyone has eaten those raw uh, on the daily in a small dose. It's a brand new slash the oldest thing, one of the oldest things in the world. It's just brought back finally into the marketplace for about 150 bottles, probably 50 are gone already or committed to. Um, and those bison testicles, well, like I said earlier, not meant to be used every day, but if you're looking to maybe, let's say if you're in the market of baby making or muscle making, or you got a big workout coming, or if you're going out as a single person and you want that edge, um, the edge of evolution known as America's national animal in its most potent form um, and really experiencing its essence and maybe giving off some of those similar pheromones, then I would say get your heart on now. Order it while it's available. It's one of these like fun seasonal micro batches for tribe vitamins, which is one of my favorite parts about being part of this company is that we have the uh, 
flexibility and the freedom and the courage to experiment with just creating unscalable products that work, that work. So who knows, maybe uh, a baby is made from this that would have not been made otherwise, or who knows, someone may be inspired to start a career that took a little bit more oomph that they would have otherwise. Um, and this one says, I sure hope we can get this in Canada soon. I, you, I, we have several Canadian customers and I think they all got their product. I will warn you, it seems like to be the slowest shipping possible because something happens in customs, but I guess when they find out we're just, anyways, <laughs> if you're in Canada, I would order them if you're willing to wait a little bit, which I think is, uh, one of the most important skills to have patience, uh, delayed gratification. Y'all know about that marshmallow test, don't you? All right, before I ramble on and on and on, enjoy me rambling on um, with an ally known as Mason Taylor. I think y'all are really going to enjoy this. And please let me know what else y'all want to see on the who you want to see or what you want us to talk about on the Breaking Normal podcast um, or what you might want to experience as a micro batch uh, for tribe vitamins. Maybe there's a particular organ or a particular blend you're interested in. We're open to ideas and collaborating with our tribe here, obviously. And I mean, there's been a lot that happened since I did this interview, including a war that has begun seemingly with Ukraine and Russia. And I think it's much more than that. And I, I, I do know prayer changes things. So I would pray for all the people that are involved directly, especially um, and I'm not going to pretend to know too much about all the details of that because I'm not sure if many people do. Um, but I would be, I think it's something to pay attention to and definitely pray about. Y'all are in my heart. It's crazy times. It's times to break, the time to break normal is now, as always. Culture, water, those things deserve to be in movement. Like, same with money, manure, and ideas. You know, when those are hoarded, those are quite dangerous, but when they're shared strategically, they're obviously one of the most synergistic catalysts that we can create, co-create as a human tribe here on this beautiful planet and organism known as Earth, as we call it. Ooh. All right, y'all. Anybody have any final questions on Instagram before we let Mason come on in? Okay, y'all. Ready to start breaking normal or continue breaking normal? It's an infinite game. I love it. I'm here with uh, Mason Taylor from Superfeast. Is that the name of the company? Is it like Superfeast? Super, like, or is that it? Superfeast supplements? Super sell most, like, from when I can tell, dietary supplements made from mushrooms from, and you are based in Australia currently? Yeah. That's it. For you guys, it's like we have to, you say supplements because you have actually you actually have that category. Hey, pup, you might hear you might hear our dogs come come in come in later. We got a doggy workplace, and I got everyone. <laughs> so I'll probably you probably hear all of our dogs scampering as well and barking it out at the podcast door. Um, but yeah, we don't actually have a supplement category. So we it's it's a funny one when we when I'm like bridging bridging over to the US. We just have foods and medicines. There's no supplement in the middle. So we, I just kind of sit being a Taoist herb company. Taoist herbs and medicinal mushrooms is what we do. 
Um, but yeah, that's um, we we got to we got to list these as medicines. We're we're dealing with the same bloody you know the same like the pharmaceutical drugs. We're like listing them in that kind of same manner, which is kind of cool because it forces oh, wow. us. Oh wow! I thought I assumed you're going to be listed in the food category, but you're listed in the medicine category. Yeah, I'm imagining that takes some licensing and such. Man, it takes. I can't even tell you how much it took to be like, you know, like I'm kind of like similar, like I've, you know, I've known you and, you know, I've been following like raw bras and, you know, all that. like I'm back, I'm back in that, you know, I'm coming from the raw food community myself. I'm a grassroots kind of guy. And to then have to like legitimize and go through the bureaucratic like loopholes to actually become a listed medicine and figure out, you know, Australia's gnarly with this kind of stuff. You can see what's going on bureaucratically in Australia right now. Like the world's kind of like looking at Australia and seeing how insane it is. And it's like that with medicines as well, but it's kind of cool. It's cool. Like it's a cool kind of path of mastery. It, it, we can't just like drop into supplements and be like, great, we can say whatever we want. We're like, we, you know, we got to really walk that fine line and walk in two worlds. So it's a nice practice in being interdimensional. Yeah. I'm uh, happy because I, I deal with a lot of licensing and such as well, and not being able to make claims on labels or from um, a medical perspective. And I, overall, I appreciate it because there are a lot of uh, sketchy stuff out there. And um, that was part of my inspiration was that, wow, eating animal organs really works. And not that cows are sketchy, but there was one bison organ product on the market and it was made from grain finished bison. And my understanding of that is like, that bison's liver is going to be taking a pretty big hit when they finish it on grain, like especially the liver of all things. And uh, it inspired me like, wait, if this product doesn't exist and this is what I want to eat, let's do it. And I know you are serving up some quality uh, supplements out from over there because I got to try some. I remember you sent me, I think, the fruiting body mushroom powder potentially. I know there's like a, a little bit of a debate between just having mycelium as a mushroom supplement versus having the yeah. fruiting bodies and mycelium. And I want to talk about some of the details of the supplements, but I think I want to first uh, dive into, you mentioned that you're out there in Australia on the grounds. Before we began the podcast, you said you're in Mullumbimby, which I've been to. I mean, I've been to every state and most people are like, uh, you know, every United States and I've been to Australia as well. And most people immediately ask, oh, what's your favorite place? And, I'm, and I, my ultra spiritual answer is, well, where I'm at. And, but when I do think about a little more judgmental, um, human perspective, the eastern shore of Australia, Byron Bay, between Byron Bay and Mullumbimby, that might be my favorite place on earth. I mm, mean, it's like the Santa Barbara, Australia. Oh. it's like the Santa Barbara coastline meets the jungles of Costa Rica in this crazy, cool Australian culture that was so much less uh, blue pill than say Sydney. <laughs> and uh -huh. I know that if we're going to get red pill, blue pill, it seems like um, Australia does serve the blue pill pretty hard. Um, and I think that's shown up with this current cultural chaos C word thing. I mean, I would love to, I know you are on the front lines of that, especially being in the medicine industry. Um, mm. what do you think, what's going on in Australia and how do you think it might differ from what's going on in the United States? I'm not sure if you've been here in the last two years, but there you go. Yeah, I was, oh man, it's like, it's, it's so like, I like, I like speculating because I don't like, I don't really, of course, you know, I, I, you know, like I don't actually think I know what's going on because it's so, you know, like the, just, just, I can go super macro um, and look at, you know, like, let's like, you know, start like tuning into what the little karmic track of each peoples and each country and each land is and watching it play out. And I can see there's something beautiful playing out in the Australian culture's um, psyche or, you know, karmic path 
right now. But yeah, blue pill, very blue collar, um, kind of like, um, it's weird. I don't know what's going on in Australia. It's just kind of like getting short circuited right now with so many different um, inputs. The same way, you know, in America, when you look at like, you know, the left Democrats that are anti-establishment are the ones flying the flag for, you know, super in industrialization and centralization of power. It's just, it's just short circuiting me at the moment. So I'm kind of like enjoying just sitting on the outskirts. <laughs> just in, I'm just, I'm having a lot of fun. Of course, I've got a lot of empathy. A lot of people are going through some pretty hardcore processes right now. Um, a lot of people realizing they've been lied to in Australia. A lot of that Australian spirit, like we like doing the right thing. We like doing honorable things in Australia. And I think a lot of people are experiencing their good nature and they're just like, come on, let's just be good to our mates. And let's just like pull up our, you know, pull our socks up, just get on with work. And maybe it takes a little bloody sacrifice, mate. Maybe it takes a little bloody sacrifice for your mates and those vulnerable. We got to look after those vulnerable. I think um, there's a, it's kind of getting to that point. I think a lot of people are watching that, that real good natured and beautiful aspect of Australians um, has been manipulated and turned against them. And I think that's slowly happening, which I think is really, really nice. But Australians are really polite. I remember seeing when you were last in Australia, I remember seeing you talk about, you know, everyone just like slightly bumps into you on the street and you were like, people would be like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if you even remember that. I don't know. It just stuck with me. You would just, you had a little bit of a, maybe it's on your stories or something like that. And you were like, why do you guys always say sorry? You know, you're always sorry about, <laughs> and we, and we, we are. And I've, I've actually thought about it a lot since you said that. And I was like, and I'm kind of like, for us, it's just a throwaway word. And it, and it depends, you know, a lot of people are actually feeling like, oh my God, it's so mean of me. And I'm really sorry. And, and sometimes it's just like a, you know, like the same as like a, how are you kind of statement. It's just a throwaway statement and be like, sorry, it's like, just like an acknowledgement, but we are like that. We, you know, we're really, you know, the tall poppy syndrome has another side kind of like it's, you know, like an in, you know, in the vortex, out the vortex kind of style of thing. If you know that, like that, um, that terminology where it's like that tall poppy can become so toxic where you cut yourself down when you get too big for your boots and you cut other people down and they get too big and you don't really celebrate your wins all too, too much. But on the other side of thing, other side of that, there's such a hyper awareness of the people that are around us. And there's such an innate, you know, there's such a, there's a germinating seed within everyone to have the capacity to truly empathize with everyone rather than just judge everyone. You can really get yourself into other people's worlds. That's like the, in the vortex side of that, that tall poppy syndrome. So there, there does, there is that kind of community feel there, but that's sitting under the surface. But I feel like right now, everyone's, there's quite a lot of people, including those high population zones that are so blue pilled that that's been bastardized. And the, you know, those people within power know how to use that and politicize that beautiful human aspect that we in a one-on-one -on -one interaction with, with Australians, it's really great. You know, like, like I've interacted with a lot of people who everyone would say, you know, are heavily blue pilled. And if you can, you know, get past the politicizing views and, you know, all the, you know, the morality, they're wrong. You're right. You know, there's just a, still such a beautiful connection of just like, yeah, we love our land. We love our community. So man, it's fucking so much going on in Australia right now. And I'm so grateful that I'm in my little, I've created, like conscientiously created a bubble for myself and my life. I've, I highly, you know, 10 years ago, I went, I went, I'm deciding not to have my timeline pulled into others. 
and I'm not going to have my timeline, you know, dictated to me. I'm not going to have my thought process dictated to me. And so I've done my best to build up you know, my capacity to not even know, you know, realizing that I was doing it or why I was doing it. And now I'm really fortunate that I'm in a personal position, you know, the position I hold, I feel like within my community and my, you know, within my business to not just create a bubble where we're not impacted heavily through what's going on and all the mandates, but also in a, you know, where we can hold a space for people going through their processes thanks to this intense time we've had over the last two years, especially. Personal bubble design. It's like international tribe design. It's very similar to what we were doing before, like up to the uh, late 2019. And then um, and that, that art style is now more important than ever is like, creating your own community or tribe or bubble because if you try to pay attention to all the other bubbles you're just going to float along you're just going to drift along into the chaos of culture laid out by people in power because they know it's easier to herd people especially the mass numbers of the population right now i mean it's it is wild times and i like how you admitted like the short circuiting of it i think that is part of the situation for most people uh, to understand what's going on takes demands a uh, kind of a high intellectual capacity and the ability to uh, discern differing opinions, even though they're both so influential and coming from places of power and even places that one may used to trust. So it is the ultimate intellect, like psycho spiritual warfare going on right now. And I Isn't think it? one of the best things to do is, yeah, uh, find your tribe and design your tribe. Uh, because in reality, that's, you know, it goes back to this idea of Dunbar's number. And maybe we really are, maybe instead of trying to find the most scalable way for 8 billion people to live, we should really focus on the best way for 100 people to live together and then maybe replicate that in our own unique cultural ways. So that's my uh, uh, tribal tangent. Um, but but Molenbimbi, where you're at in the world, in my opinion, is one of the greatest places, like the weirdest place on one of the weirdest places on earth. Hence, meaning there's a lot of people that have created their own personal bubbles and those bubbles bounce into each other, but they don't seem to dictate each other, as you were saying. And it's a beautiful, what some might say is the ultra hippie town. I mean, ultra. biggest little town in Australia. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Actually, we did. Uh, you mentioned JP before we started recording. We did a uh, JP myself and I think Frank J did like a collective speech at this place uh, the spirit fest or something or something oh, yeah. a Byron, festival Byron y'all. Yeah. yeah byron spirit fest and that's at the biggest largest i remember that sign because we took a picture in front of that sign <laughs> and that place is beautiful and it is so uh wheat ganja friendly what do y'all call ganja out there weed or what, what's the word yeah, weed's good yeah weed <laughs> well that's where all the if, if you if you ever want to like anyone wanting to understand you know like the history of mullum where it came from because it was like you know it's good like logging cattle Kind of like you know kind of well not not so much cattle but a bit of a history but then when like kind of i think it was the 70s when the you know the um the gunja growers kind of rocked in and they all of a sudden started growing and all this money poured in so all these rich hippies started like coming in and like you know building up mullum town mullum madness is a documentary if you want to kind of see where the culture of mullum came from it's this like clash of good old you know like blue collar aussie farmer you know like in line with the law with like the weed the, the, the ultra hippies who had a bit of business savvy <laughs> to them like clashing and creating this wonderful little vibe of the town which kind of can't be compromised too much although people would argue it's been heavily gentrified now still got the vibe and you I mean you mentioned you know the bubble like we've got 
such advocates here for extreme localization in the Byron Shire still, even though it's like the most expensive real estate now in Australia. Like, like let that settle in. Like that's our little, you know, a little beautiful Byron Bay, of course, the most pure, one of the most pure places in 10 over the last few decades. Now it's like, of course, it's such a lovely place you know, to, to be. You've been there, you know, now everyone wants to live there. But there is still such an extreme integrity there because there are people who are staying on despite the fact they seem like oh it's been bust you know I'm saying no well you know it's been you know it's not the same as it used to be and it's things won't be things grow you'd be surprised if it was the same you know <laughs> and that's like humans and everything things are going to change but um people are advocating like you know um um Helena um um like Helena Deutsch here who's like just like still like she's 70 activist is like like really campaigning for extreme localization skill like just waving that banner for like you can keep on growing outwards perpetually but that's not a sustainable model personally or for businesses or anything you can grow internally at the same time and so there's like there's people really like holding their ground like holding that line firm in in Mullum and the Shire so it's really nice it's still got that vibe and and the bubble thing, I just went, I just had a really beautiful moment because you reiterated the bubble when I mentioned it. And I've had this happen yesterday as well. I've had a little moments. My, my father passed last year on August 1st. And there's two kind of main lessons that emerged from, from my youth with him. And um, they're starting to kind of like percolate down, <laughs> make some sense in my, you know, for like an applicable sense in my life. Um, and one of them, he's a martial artist. He was a, um, in um, Japanese jiu-jitsu, was his martial art. And he would talk about your bubble in the dojo about, you know, you have awareness of, you know, that, you know, you have awareness of your bubble. And so if someone walks into the room and they've got, you know, and they, you pick up on their vibe, even though they're 10 meters away, you can feel their energy pick, like pushing on your bubble and pushing into your personal space and pushing into your, you know, every, all that you value. And at the same time, some people are so, you can feel that they, you know, they're welcome into your bubble. And that's, that's like, because having a bubble doesn't mean I'm creating a force field, but it's if you have that awareness of your own essence and your own, you know, what is, you know, when, you know, when you're in flow and your virtues arise from you, you can feel when, and I can feel like that's, that's what's happening in America right now. It's happening all over the world. You can feel when an institution is infiltrating that field of yours and trying to impart ideology, that's kind of just all it is. And you, like, I think a lot of people are realizing they don't have to justify the fact that they, you know, actually this is, you know, I didn't invite you in here. I didn't invite you into my bubble. And like the same, you know, my dad being a martial artist, he's like, when you feel it get to a particular point, you increase the intensity of the way that you are going to defend yourself. And a lot of that for him is just like, you know, you always, you know, like, like most martial arts, you concede to their energy and until the point that you feel like you're in balance and you understand the situation and you get your opponent off balance and it doesn't matter, you keep on moving. You keep on moving until you constantly come into your balance, come into your balance and you'll never stop moving until that point where then you, you find your moment where they're off balance and you are in balance and then you can strike at an appropriate, you know, with appropriate force and, the, 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 that dynamic lesson is, I think, so relevant right now because people, I think, right now, especially are like, I'm going to make some moves to get balance. And then they realize they're getting their bubbles getting pushed on again. And then yet again, they need to continue to move. And it's like, oh my God, I'm getting fatigued here. It's like, yeah, this is, it's never going to end. 
you constantly need to come back and find that balance and remember that balance is not a stagnant place. Um, yeah. So thanks. I was just like thinking about that lesson from my, yeah, <laughs> that bubble kind of chat from my dad and just like, oh yeah, the old man, the old man, that's, that's what he was talking about is <laughs> relevance of making sense of the current world as well. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I definitely don't doubt that your dad's consciousness is bubbling into this communication. And, um, you know, instead of saying sorry to hear that, I, I just, if there's, if you know, if there's any way to support you, I'm, I'm a new dad and it's like, man, that can't be easy that, uh, that, but I also imagine it must be quite illuminating. It seems, um, I'm not saying there's not a way of to enlightenment or illumination without hardship, but wow, does hardship seem to bring that with it. Mm. Um, and that's really cool to hear about your dad and the Japanese jujitsu. Uh, your dad, I mean, your dad sounds like an awesome guy. I mean, the, bu- the <laughs> bubble thing, <laughs> I, I totally believe in bubbles. I mean, if there's anything else you want to, sh- you care to share about your dad and how maybe he's influenced your journey or whatever mm. that brings up in this moment, I'd love to hear about it. I was just, we just had a, like a beautiful, I mean, in terms of like self-cultivation, sometimes, you know, he was a controversial character in his own right and within his community. And it was uh, a beautiful thing to have gone through enough, um, you know, to really have dug our heels in, to do enough work to, you know, be able to not get caught up in story between us and have a genuine connection. And we had to do that continuously throughout, you know, um, through towards the end of his life and my life, you know, the whole of my life. And that's, you know, it's like, wow, you know, the, the, the amount of energy and effort that went into that, that relationship. It's like always nice to see that being like, ah, that allowed us to have such pure moments at the end. And, and it, like we in Taoism, tonic herbalism, any, any ancient wisdom that's in connection to the earth, you know, we, there's a there's conversation in psychology, even, you know, Jungian psychology, there's, a, there's an element of self-cultivation that goes on, which um, I feel like self-cultivation, self-agency, um, cultivation of your essence in Taoism, your Jing Chi Shen, you know, your capacity to integrate life experiences so that you can become what's, you know, called wise, maybe have enough energy to undergo, um, you know, life's, you know, whether whether it's an intentional initiation process or, a, you know, just a here you go, here's an initiation process that life always throws at you, you know, to have that you know, that essence in yourself and your, you know, that, that bubble cultivated to that extent that you are spontaneously able to um, move through these initiation processes and have them be, you know, done, have that done with grace. I was thinking about the end of, you know, the end of his life, I had to go to Sydney and it was just Sydney just like went bang, locked down like hard with um, the, at the, at the start of their, like the, probably the, the only time Sydney really freaked out and went for like two or three months. And it was like awful for everyone. I had to go down in the middle of that. And I know like, you know, a lot of time, uh, it's, I mean, this is, a, this is a tricky thing to kind of like talk about, but there, there'd been a lot of cultivation of our, of our bubbles. My dad, you know, for all of his, some of his, the, the fact that he was an interesting character, he'd cultivated a lot of self-agency and awareness of his bubble um, as have I. And then, that ceremony of coming towards the end of his life happened, you know, it's like all very suddenly it got thrown on us. And in terms of, I know a lot of people are having a lot of hard times with loved ones dying and being sick in hospitals and, you know, not being able to get access. And I'm not saying, you know, like I'm not saying in other situations and circumstances, my experience wouldn't have been different um, or that I necessarily controlled the circumstances, but 
I really feel that our bubble was so strong. And when there's a portal of opening of like coming towards an end of a life of such an intense um, um, initiation about to go on, something about that bubble that rose up because my dad had cultivated so much of his own essence and, you know, to an extent, his agency. There was a bubble thrown around us through that experience that just told all entities and institutions that we're going to try and get in the way of that to fuck off. It was like, this is, you are not getting in here and you're not penetrating that. And, and I only thought about that afterwards when I was able to speak about the fact that I was sleeping in the, you know, every night in hospital, you know, next to him, we got two weeks next to him in palliative care when it was like, you know, only, only meant to be, you know, like it was going to be going instantly. And we just had so many beautiful moments. We had so much completion. We were just me and my brother, you know, coming in and out of the hospital when it was on hardcore lockdown, we was able to get other people up, lost loves of his. And it was just, it was sacred. And I'm like, and I, I often, I thought about, I think about sometimes why am I putting so much effort into my personal practice, cultivation of my lifestyle, my tribe, my Jing essence, my bone health, my marrow health. I'm, I'm putting so much energy, you know, that feeling. I'm like, I'm putting so much energy into my body nonstop. Probably like, you know, I'm trying, like I'm consciously cultivating a culture within my business that is in alignment with nature rather than just going down an easy route of corporate, like a corporate route would be so much easier. And sometimes I look around, I'm like, oh my God, why? It's, so, it's like so much energy constantly. Um, and then at the, some, that sometimes at moments where I'm like, like, I like having weak moments. I go, why am I doing this? And then it's like those little, those, I feel like it's those times when, when, you know, you, you earn the right to walk through an initiation and perceive and feel the energy and have it be protected through that energy that you've cultivated. So people and entities and energies and things, and, you know, just like they know they can't penetrate it and get in there and you've created this sacred little bubble. So yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Thanks for prompting me there, but that's where, that's what's coming up about that. Cause it was a really beautiful process for me and my brother, including, you know, only allowed this many people at the funeral. Oh, mm. Not only having to organize this mass, you know, like this is a big weird event where, you know, like it was just like just us. Um, I just interviewed Zenith Virago. He's like a death walker on my podcast. I was like so deeply in that process of, you know, like of, of feeling what that, you know, that walk of death is and was so present to needing to get ducks in a row before he died. And then finding someone that allowed you to have that ceremony of like really tending to the body and washing him. And, you know, his legs were, you know, amputated, at the, you know, in the end and, you know, having that process of, you know, we picked me and my brother picked him up and put him in that, you know, that vessel, that, that coffin picked up his legs and, you know, we washed his hair and, you know, laughed with him and cried with him around that. Like I've just, I was in that zone, like just, so there was so much there, but it's like, it's like, oh, we know what great coincidences, what great timing. And, but, you know, of course you can just feel when you pull into rhythm and pull into the pattern of, you know, patterns of creation, patterns of life itself. And we just feel there was a lot of that. I'm like, oh, that's why, that's why we do all this. Just for those moments to spontaneously come into flow. Wow. Wow. I mean, um, I, yeah, I'm happy I asked. I, I, I can't help but wonder, and I'm imagining other people be curious if you don't mind sharing what happened with your dad. It, it just sounds like it was a unique, well, like you, it sounded like you knew he was going to die for, and it was long, a little longer than the shorter time expected. Yeah, he had some things going on. He was an, he was a stubborn old mule that 
<laughs> it was like, no, nah. I'm like, you know, he was just like, wouldn't let anyone into knowing what was going on with his, with his suffering and a few things going on with his, um, with his legs that we were, you know, aware of, but also letting him be, you know, the man that he is and choosing his adventure. And just, um, but then after over a few years that just escalated to being something that got into his blood. And then once it got into his blood, there was a few blood clots and he had a little moment where one leg, the, the leg that was, you know, that was um, kind of had an infection didn't end up being the thing. He had a, like, it led to a, a clot that then all of a sudden his other leg just lost its blood supply. And then he um, was just like, yeah, didn't, didn't tend to it in time. And um, that led to that leg dying. And, um, and then that landed us in hospital and, yeah, there's a lot of there's a there's a big process me and my brother have gone through and talking about what happened. And he went on his own terms, um, had a had a had a good hard life, and um, and just, just he could see he decided to kind of go on his own terms. But it just fell on us suddenly in terms of like, all right, no, no, we're on. Like, get down here. It's because in the next twelve hours you're going to lose him, and then that stretched out to two weeks, and then um, having to look at yeah, just and then having to make some calls about going forward and um and that call was inevitably gonna, it was going to end one way or the other and um we all were able to make conscious decisions together and uh yeah and then that led to him his body just going no nope. the, the bad blood got to the heart and then that was it wow yeah there's something um seemingly sometimes like I feel it could be interpreted as disrespectful when you hear about someone's passing and ask how that happened, because it might tend to make some people feel like it's undermining the um, significance of their life. And at the same time, the way you were describing everything, I just, you know, I feel like one part of my joy of being of a podcaster is tuning into the collective curiosity in the midst of a conversation and speaking to it. So uh, mm -hmm. thank you for sharing some of that as well. And I don't think I'm aware of your brother. Uh, is your brother older, younger? What's he up to? What's his he's name? Nine what? Years. Hayden, he's, nine years younger. He's nine he's, years younger. Hayden? Hayden, yeah. What's he, what's he doing? He's just been a legend. <laughs> just been a winner. Uh, he's like, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, yeah, a beautiful brother. And we were just, yeah, we were able to have like that, that connection. We were able to have, you know, like we had a, we had a great relationship, but going through that experience and yeah, just like, oh yeah, very, very proud of him. You know, he was you know, nine years younger than me and kind of like, and, and just gracefully moving through that process. And yeah, especially when he'd been living with, you know, living with the old man and, you know, like, Help him kind of take care of him, and then life just kind of changing. It was just I mean, dutiful men. That was just men, you know. Like it was just, you know, I like I like being around men of duty. Like I I kind of have a different relationship with it. And now much more kind of grounded characters, and I'm, or they, my dad was and Hayden is, and I'm I'm much more of a kind of Peter Pan syndrome, <laughs> flying around chasing dreams, um, in my own diff in my diff in a different way. So, um, yeah, it was like a big closing of a chapter for for him and um great process for us and yeah i mean i like i like bringing up how it happened because i you know that's very i'm very poetic and i can talk about the poetry and the majesty and the magic of that experience and that ceremony but there's a lot of messiness as well which is you know it's nice to not skirt over that messiness 
and um, you know, and kind of communicate. Oh yeah, it was a very real experience, and <laughs> still like you know, ups and downs of emotions and questioning about you know things. So yeah, it's but so good, you know, death and death and life. We got to tell him, you know, found out that we were you know pregnant with our second kid just before dad passed and so I was able to tell him he had another you know another grandchild on the way just before he passed so it was just this what a yeah just a weird smashing of <laughs> different energies and yeah wow yeah I, my, uh, my grandfather who I feel very connected to but he passed I believe right when I was about one or almost one and I imagine was like my for my parents wow what an experience their first kid and my dad's dad passing and all of it all at once mm -hmm. your uh second child was it how old is your first one five his or her five. name Aya. 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 how do you spell Aya? a-i-y-a oh wow yeah my uh araya evan araya back oh. there and araya and a rough rough um, and then your second one, when's that one, when's that one expected or someone expected to come through? Yeah. Um, Anticipated might be a better word. <laughs> Anticipated, yeah, around April Fool's Day, I think. Claire. Oh, yeah. Oh, April. Yeah, Davina was born April 7th. Oh, <laughs> look yeah. at that. Mm -hmm. There was a different, it was definitely like the time there's like, you know, I just started kindy, which is like that, I don't know what you guys got prep for, first year of like big school. <laughs> um, got what do they do at five and there's like a naya there and like there's niyas around there's like other spelling of i there was just something there's just like like there was just a, a rhythm there was like a particular tone and rhythmic pattern coming out of the the world at that time well let me share some of davina's best friends names maya yeah. mila camilla faith and grace and when I took her first outdoor, it was an all outdoor school. They call it like a wee folk a forest school. Mm. It was like a pre-K kindergarten wee folk forest school. We took, when I took her there, there was an Oriah there. Oh, yeah. An Oriah, like the same spelling as my doggy. And that oh. name, whoo, that name is a tricky name because uh, Diana sort of dreamt it up. Like, let's call her Oriah or old, these older elderly women told me to name her Araya. I was like, what? I'm like, how do you spell Araya? <laughs> and I looked it up. I did the old Google. And sure enough, the only thing I could find was an old lady who renamed herself Araya, who's famous, famously known as Araya the Mountain Dreamer as a poet, because she was visited by elderly women in her dream to rename herself that. And then I've been told by people that are uh, know Hebrew a little bit, saying it could tra roughly translate to uh, the light of God. And I, I, there is something fast. There's something fascinating going on, I think, with the children that born in the last like five to 10 years and something to do with the names. And, that, and that's why it goes all the way to the sorry thing that yeah, I like that there are words to like, they're sometimes just to throw out or for fun or for satire. But when I, I, I do, I do tend to believe about the idea of like word becoming flesh. And I was writing it down somewhere, something else about that. Um, it's, and it's a lot to do with the intention, not just the word, but I, I, I do get concerned when the word sorry is so woven into the fabric of a society that it becomes a posture for people. 
And um, yeah, just some ideas, some ideas about dreaming and words. I don't know. And Araya names and Davina and Maya and uh, Aya. Aya. And do you know the name of the, the one coming or is that to be, to be determined? To be determined. There's a few things floating around, a few, few energies floating around. Um, and we're definitely, let's meet them and we'll, we'll see because, um, but yeah, I mean, that's how we were with Aya. And then we were like, Tans, yeah, for Tans, we to a lovely few weeks, we'll, the property, when we first were pregnant, we were living up on a property up at, um, do you remember Minion Falls? And just like, just right up, right up um, the top of the, um, in the hinterland there. Oh, so yeah. We so like, you broke up for like just uh, two seconds, but I think you oh, said, yeah. Do I remember Minion Falls? And I definitely yeah, yeah. remember Minion Falls because I got right in the water there above the waterfall right when I got there. And then I was driving down the mountain back to the beach. I don't know if that's called a mountain or a hill or whatever. But, uh, and I had the fattest leech on my calf. And I was, I, I couldn't believe it because I just touched my calf and I, there was some fat ass slimy slug thing on there. And I just flipped out. Like, I'm like, oh my God, there's something on my fucking leg. Because everyone um, was telling us about, like, you know, in Australia, part of the language is like everything about how to kill you. Because we were hanging out in cans beforehand. And we were just like under the impression, you don't want to run into any bug anywhere or any snake or anything. And we ran into plenty of snakes in that area of Molumbimbi as well. I mean, uh, uh, Minion Falls as well. But yeah, I, I freaked out about, and sure enough, Diana, it was like, that looks like a leech. And then Frank J is in the back flipping out. Like he's freaking out. He's trying to scrape it off of the fork. And eventually we pull over and get that thing off. But that was my first and only leech experience. And it was crazy. And Minion Falls is incredible. Like you, live near, you, live, you live near that area? You get leeches That's where on we you sometimes? Were. Yeah, when, when we were first pregnant with Aya, Tani moved up and we were living on my friend's property there. Um, and she's, they've got 200 acres into permaculture farm there. And so Tani had, um, I think like three weeks, just like just landing. And that's when she was just spending a lot of time walking around and meditating. And that's when the let, you know, the, the I was like a little birdie. I kind of had it, you know, like when coming through in the beginning, I had it kind of had the little, little birdie energy buzzing around us even before we conceived just going, oh, who's that? And then, um, and then Birdie you know, in Tani's meditations just came and spelt out A-I-Y-A for her. And she was like, all right, maybe that's it. And we met her and we were like, yep, yeah, that's, you know, that's our little Aya, which is nice. I'm like, I'm like, hey, all right, current baby. That'd, that'd be good if you made it as just convenient. It just came and like just <laughs> laid it on a platter for us. Thank you. I'd enjoy that. Um, but yeah, speaking of leeches, I mean, like, yeah, it's a part of the well, you know, like, it's nice, you know, I've got a friend, you know, it's like nice. I've still got a, you know, friend living in Yukai that uses leeches um, clinically. Um, you know, they, and the hospital still calls him every now and then, and they don't want to admit it, but they still use leeching as a, as a you know, of course, get, get the bad blood out. Yeah. And like, I remember like probably around that time that Tani was pregnant, it was just, you know, like my first time, like, you know, like dipping into that leech, that leech medicine vibe and my, um, and I had a, a friend, an old German, old German guy, um, who who owns that property. is one of the best people in the world. And he's like had this boil on the back of his on, on his back, and it was getting pretty big. And and I was like, oh, I was like, wow, maybe I could leech it. And I, I was like, oh, I was like, all right, we'll see. And I and I just don't really get them that often walking around there. Nor, and I just was like, I'm just gonna walk through. I'll go outside. I'm gonna try and find one. And I just went on a little walk through a patch that I don't normally go. And I came out, sure enough, and I had a, um, and I had a leech. And so I've like taken it off 
And the first try, I've just gone, and I've just got it, nailed it in the center of his boil there. And we're like, awesome. And we just left it there and just engorged and became like huge. I must have just taken out. They were like, I was like super effective. They hadn't been able to get it down. And then this boil just went down like the next day. I felt like such a boss. Like, I was like, am I an earth spirit? Am I, can I do <laughs> Well, this is amazingly synchronous because, you know, I even, uh, it's funny how these conversations go. I think when I leave the intention and the space for them to organically come together, that's, there's some divine appointments that happen in this conversation. And like oh, my doggie, Araya, who's part of the conversation quite a bit already, a few days ago, she developed a freaking hematoma on her ear because, uh, and this allegedly happens to dogs that are, have floppy ears that are pro- or prone to ear infections, which she's been in both and it shakes their heads a lot. And mm-hmm. that's a triple hitter there for her. And sure enough, she has this, when I first felt it, I was about to go to the emergency room. I mean, I was about, I was like, what? And I called my dad immediately. Cause my dad's, a, you know, my dad knows a lot about this stuff and he even worked at poison control for a long time. And between my family, we can typically like, we're a pretty good, uh, I don't want to call us a medical team, but like a pretty good healthcare uh, tribe. And we figured it out that what it was. And I called the vet and sure enough, they said that's what it was from what they could tell. And now I want a freaking leech. How do I get a leech on her ear? There's normally some awesome kooky person around who, you know, it's just like asking around, like I just seriously ask around, it's like anyone who's just clinically using, you know, go to the health food store, you know, do you know if there's anyone, in a, you know, any old, you know, old healers that have got some leeches that I could find? Like, I think that's literally how it kind of happens around here. Like, and then, yeah, like I was, I was, freak. I think I was talking about it with Jimmy on the podcast i'm pretty sure he, he was like i'm like i'm like did he make it public did he not want to public i've kind of said he's i'll just leave it at his first name um but yeah he was like dude like it's amazing how regularly the hospital will call him so even kind of like calling up the hospital and just being like hey ran like random question do you guys have leeches like my you never know maybe they'll go oh you know, no not us but we 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 do know we do know where we go <laughs> to get them if we need them well, yeah, I feel like your area, it's a little bit more of a local product. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't know if there's any leeches around here, but it, I bet maybe so. Maybe there's, there's so many different alternative holistic healers in the area. I wouldn't be surprised if someone's got a whole aquarium of them right down the road. I wonder if there's, there must be like, you know, we've got a pretty kooky network between us. Like surely there's someone who, you know, like it's, that's pretty fringe, who's just like leech farming, who's just breeding leeches and just sending them all around America. Like in just their little in their little box, give them a little food, and they throw throw some stuff in their little ecosystem, fragile, and just <laughs> delivering leeches. I mean, I'm amazed. You're telling me this guy had a boil, and the the freaking leech took the boil off. It took, or did it just get it lower? I mean, what what happened? Like, yeah, just, just went just low, like it was just kind of getting. Like, I mean, I'm not clinic. I don't know if it was act, like like looked like a boil. That's all we we thought it like thought it, like it looked like. That's just the word I have for it. I'm not really wasn't interested in like diagnosing him and he wasn't really interested in going to a doctor or anything like that. It was just like big and hard and tiny little head that was, didn't look like it was going to develop. Um, and so I was just like, well, well, what's the worst that can happen? You know, it's just like, take a little bit of the, relieve a little bit of the pressure. And yeah, sure enough, the next day it just like, I think reduced by like half the size and then just slowly just went, went away. <laughs> like, 
we always we're, we're like when we when we walk around and we get a bunch of leeches we're like you know we're like okay cool little cleanse you know draw a little blood because that's like you know that's the same you know thinking you would have heard about like you know excess iron in the body that was like something you know back in that was happening back in the like longevity conference days with like truth colkins and all that crew that went to that you know that david wolf conference we're always you know talking about like you know it's really good to go and donate blood just to kind of release you know that like that excess um is it oxidized iron i don't know i gotta get into the mineral shit but i've got a it's a big thing right now if you look at like ray pete's work and all that it's like coming into the consciousness now where that you know that having that iron that excess iron and the like that bad form of iron like is like you know it's a big thing and so you know it's nice to go and donate blood and get that like little release in you know within our blood supply and yeah and i'm just i think that about leeches i don't fucking go you know donate blood if i have to i, I like the i like the idea i like it being a part of you know being a part of like you know if i'm going to be involved in a western system like maybe i don't mind being involved with that intention but going to like, you know, heal myself, to release, you know, to like just release my toxic iron and give blood that way. I'm like, I don't like that energy at all. And so I'm like, leeches is like a nice way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty captivated by that whole conversation for sure. <laughs> uh, and the iron thing, that's one, of, uh, it's an interesting thing because I, my understanding too is like iron supplementation especially can okay. be risky but, um, and that's why I love doing it. But at the same time, so many people are low in iron, uh, especially women. And that's why I think these, uh, the bison liver we serve, it does so well for so many people, but I have been because, but the liver comes with copper. Like I've heard there's this thing, like if you take too much liver, uh, iron without copper. And that's why I'm like, I don't need to mess with this. This is God's formula. This is raw bison liver freeze dried. What, what, so what's in it? Uh, bison liver. So what's in yeah. it? Uh, raw freeze dried bison liver. So what's in it? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's milled. Bison liver, anyways. Yeah, uh, yeah, give me the mineral profile. Like, I, we might get that. I'm gonna see if I can look into look, doing that. It's a good thing to do, but it's you're making the distinction between colonized Western reductionist mindset, which is a really good specialization and language to be able to have in your body, especially when we go into you know Western style diagnosis and disease. But that excessively, we're seeing what you know, we're seeing what happens to that an excessively colonized mind that can't actually take a step back and realize that there is a, that the, the copper doesn't actually exist. You know, that, that's a, that's a thing where we're within a system, we're putting a name on a particular thing and we're just, we've decided that things in isolation is how we're going to describe them rather than focusing on describing how they interact with the rest of, you know, how that thing interacts with the, the rest of a system. And so that's like, it's very, you know, it's a very particular language and, you know, understanding that, you need to be able to drop that language and drop the whole copper and iron. It's really useful to dip into every now and then. But if you live your fucking life and your lifestyle thinking about adrenal glands and copper, you know, and iron metabolism, you're such a boring person. You know, you walk into like a, an Italian, any kitchen that has love and, you know, amazing aromatic smells that, you know, engage your entire senses. They're not like, and then I added this ingredient because it's got lots of copper and that ensures that that's going to metabolize the iron. And it's like, oh, what an idiotic way of living. And that's what happens to a lot of people in our extreme health ideological space is people think that's a personal culture. They think it makes them interesting. And rather than integrating the, you know, the wisdom and the insights of that reductionism, they're moving on with that integrated down the path of, you know, never having to really think about those things in isolation is too much. It makes you an uninteresting 80-year-old. That's where the concept of like effortless effort or wu-wei, 
you know, with, with everything is done, learn what you need to do to earn and not hammer your hormones and keep them in rhythm and then create an environment and a culture for yourself and your family where all of those things which we could obsess about, you know, our, our HPA, you know, you know, like access, you know, our, our, you know, our, our sex hormone profiles, our iron, our copper, our mental health, our libido, our bone health, our marrow, all of these things you go into isolation, you don't, they can, they can leave and you can get into the language of life and get into the rhythm of life and just create that environment where you're in harmony as much as possible because those things don't exist. You know, those things that, you know, they, they actually don't exist. You can't like be like, oh, yep, there's my testosterone moving into its next phase. And, oh, it's flipping over, it, you know, it's, it's, it's flipping over into an estrogen now. Like you don't experience it that way. It's nice to be able to go reductionist and feel it and be like clinically, oh, I can do something about it. But in everyday life, you're feeling something else. Therefore, you, you can't stay in that, like that language. You need to get connected to something else in a non-colonized way and experience it that way. Yeah, I, I uh, run into that paradox quite a bit because I do a lot of things that um, are starting to get like names to them. Like, you know, when I've, you, since you watched the Rob Ross for a long time or whenever you did, when Rob Ross is old compared to the current timeline of some of the things that have happened globally, like Wim Hof, like Wim Hof has become extremely popular. Um, uh, but the Rob Ross, we have, the, it was always called about cold. We always wrote about cold water, but we did not name it and we did not scientifically explain what it does to your brain and to your lungs and to your consciousness. But it works for mm-hmm. sure. And so, to, and, and it's just it, it, one of the things I guess I see the advantage for like a capitalistic perspective because, you know, like you can get sunshine or you can talk about like vitamin D or you can talk about like what getting sunshine in your eyes does at 5 a.m. versus or like when the sun rises and like kind of break it down to this very reductionist mm-hmm. uh, like medical, like you need a medical degree to understand it because you have to have the language for some of the things. That, but most people just get kind of impressed by it. It's like that, that white coat effect. So they're like, wow, this guy in the white coat just said all these things about like vitamin D and, and, and then vitamin D becomes a whole market. So and then yeah. iron can become the same thing. Like I saw that recently, like people low in iron are more effective because of COVID. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. We could uh, talk about and vitamins and iron. Like, <laughs> and it's awesome to know because that's when the relevance of understanding that reductionist sense of you. So like, you know, go away, oh, wow, you know, maybe vitamin E has a huge role to play. Maybe we should be supplementing vitamin E in old folk homes and people who are sick. You know, maybe we should be looking at the you know, like maybe we should be looking at couple, blah, blah, blah. Like I, like I kind of try not to get in like into it, but I'm like, I have friends I bring onto my podcast and I like partnering with and they can talk about it. But we've, there's, there's another step. I think, you know, it, you know, so like, it's the same as like you, you mentioned getting up and getting that, you know, getting that sunlight on your skin and, you know, in your eye, you know, on your eyes, like first thing in the morning, the, there's, there's a invisible, process in the health obsession i'm taking responsibility and sovereignty from you know like i'm going to take that that sovereign responsibility for my health that you know that that's kind of constantly like the why around you know the you know whether it's raw bras whether it was me getting into like you know longevity practices and raw food when i you know like when my journey started like 13 years ago um and at some point you get to like you know, you think you're kind of liberated 
from your ideology and your free wielding and you get to the point where you're just making lists and that's how you position yourself as an influencer. It's like, guys, health is easy. Avoid seed oils. Come back to nature. Make sure you get that sun on your body and in your eyes in the morning. Make sure you're doing spring water or distilled water and you make a list. And it's like, and it's quite, you're looking at that list and you're like, take your, you know, connect with the nature around you. No, no, no. And that list is, I think, that's that last step before you realize <laughs> it's a funny conversation. I mean, I'm, 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 I think we could talk for like a podcast just about that, you know, that ideological trap and what happens and where the path deviates after you've gone into the depths of like, you know, of, you know, obsessing about health and finding formulas and getting that list. Because at some point, your journey needs to become to a relinquishing of all of, you know, that entire identity you've developed from that, you know, that deep hole and that obsession, whether it's like you've become, you know, whether you become, you know, like a, a health expert or you've become one of these people that delves into like, you know, Taoist longevity practices or Tantra and, you know, sexual practices. At some point, you need to realize if you stay within that place, and you continue to write your lists and identify, you know, be like, that's, you know, I'm going to use that to be like, that's going to be my position and my career. You're going to stagnate and you're going to become boring because as you go on in life, if there's a list, even in your consciousness about what it is to stay healthy, you are, you, you've, and I like, I like that I'm stumbling because I talk about this so long, so much, but I like being in this space with you because I hope you don't mind it, but I'm going to use this opportunity to see, feel how I probably talk about it with a little bit more quality. So I'm not talking about it just the same way I talk about it. So it's just to kind of like, I hope you don't mind. And I, you know, you're not someone that jumps in and saves. I don't know. You're not, you're not going to be someone that jumps in and saves me from my stumbling, but just to further give some context to like, I really, I really enjoy this because I'm going to try and um, come to a place where I can communicate actually what I'm, you know, maybe something new within myself. But it is definitely as you go along that path of health, and you you pick up a you know you pick up a walking stick or there's like a you know a little rope of like on on the on the side of the walking track and you're like great you know like I'm I'm into like Ray Pete's work now with all the, the vitamin E and you know the copper and then I'm a raw foodist and then like you get to a point in your track and it's like if you want to keep on going forward and developing and you know developing self agency and becoming an interesting person you need to let go of that identity of that being that person that thinks you know what you're talking about make it relevant to you and your life and go forward and. We see it constantly and people come to notoriety. You guys have done it constantly. I remember seeing you guys traveling across America and um, as in the raw bras probably like nine years ago and posting a picture of like some like poutine that you picked up because you were like, hey, if we're here, you've got to eat the, you've got to get the poutine from this place and watching everyone like freaking out and being like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? This isn't raw. Like, we're like, are you guys, you know, have you, abandoned the way, you know, have you like, you know, have you like, you, are you hedonists now? Like from our, our healthy religion, there's a maturation point and I don't know what it is. And I don't think it needs a term, but it needs to be in, embodied. I feel within the community a lot more. And I like having conversations about it because it's, a, it's almost an invisible path. Knowing that when you start Wim Hof, knowing when you start down, you know, becoming aligned with, I don't know, I've found this this scientist and he's got this way of eating. And now I really, you know, I love Jack Cruz's way and I'm really influenced by him. And like, like you, you start down those paths. You need to remember there's going to be a point where you need to close the door of association of your identity with that way of living. It has to happen. 
you can integrate all the lessons, but there's a maturation when you will need to leave the Wim Hof. You, you need to leave at some point of taking that way of associating, you know, health with, you know, ice and cold, doing this. And, you know, you, you, you need to close that door and be very careful about the way that you create your career, your brand revolving around a particular way of doing things and seeing life because you should be aware. And I think Wim Hof is actually okay at doing it. He's got awareness. He's just such a, you know, he's just so gun ho But like a lot of people who gather a following need to lay out that process that you're going to have to leave the nest and get over this at some point, you know, like vegans are terrible at doing it. At some point, you're going the same energy that you've got coming into this, it's going to need to end. You need to figure out what it is you are looking for. And remember, at some point, you're going to be putting these labels down and you need to put them away, integrate them and become something more in, in um, embodied and interesting. And we don't have that awareness because we're trying to find it we're always trying to find that balance. We're trying to find the way, but it's such a dynamic process. So it's, it's such a never ending process. We're never balanced. That's what walking and running is. We're just constantly trying to land ourselves, you know, and you can watch it's, you know, it's really in a toddler, you can see them. They're like little drunks. They're just like, oh, and, like, oh. and that's what we're doing. We're just better at looking like we're not, you know, about to fall over, but we constantly are falling over, coming back to harmony. And I think that's what reductionism colonial mindsets do is it gives this facade that there is an end point and there is a balance. That's like a point where you go, all right, you know, you ever done a standing meditation? All right. You really, okay. You're balanced. Now stay there. Like just stay there. I like, you know, 10 minutes. You're like, people get like 10 minutes, like, you know, really rocking a standing meditation. It's hard. And you're like, Hmm, maybe an end point of balance isn't relevant. And therefore, it needs to be embedded into our health. You know, I love being a fucking health nut. I love being obsessive, but I'm, I'm almost scared myself off my ability to go and deep dive into any health realms because I've lost my identity a couple of times so intensely. And then it's been all I can do to not become resentful towards that intention to go in and deep dive. And because I know so many characters, I feel that, um, you know, are beautifully, you know, like being the people that are pulling in those low-hanging fruit that are, you know, in that mental place where they are susceptible to, you know, buying into a new health religion and they go and form their own tribe doing that. And I, and the only, I don't think, I think that's a beautiful process and people need to go through low-hanging fruit processes, which I, you know, I'm doing in business a lot right now. I'm like, wow, I was really naive and grateful that I fell into that trap of naivety because now I've learned. But we need to have an, um, like, we need to embody awareness of like, there's going to be that end point where it'll be like tools down for that ideology and you'll need to move on. And people quite often don't have that or the responsibility to communicate that to people that come into their, their circles. Yeah. Uh, the imagery is coming to mind around this communication is like my grandma, you may have seen on video, like eating a strawberry, like <laughs> or a piece of pizza, like, I, I haven't, and I was thinking, I haven't met many like 90 year old neurotic health nuts. 
actually, it seems like the those people that are that age have very little to say about any of the reductionist mindset when it comes to healthy practices. Maybe there's maybe they are out there. Maybe there's like this 95 year old. Like, don't you? Is there fluoride in that water? Is that beer made from organic grain? <laughs> is, you know, like I maybe they're out there, but I haven't met any of them. They usually just teach me to be more laid back and or more like a baby. Yeah, more like a baby. And then if they bring it up, then normally they're fun. They know how to do it without polarizing. They're like, which I've done, you know, a lot of people when they realize they can't always be right because they're, you know, let's face it, none of us are really smart enough to know every variable to be right in terms of I've found the way to, to be. They'll find their opposition, you know, they'll find their identity through opposing particular common practices in Western ways of living or within the health scene if, we're a little, if they're a little bit smarter and form that identity through opposition, which is uh, fun. I enjoy it. I kind of like, I like, I, I kind of would consider myself an extremely amateur, you know, budding comedian. And I, I really, I like, it's fun punching down. <laughs> as long as there's an actual, um, but if you form your identity through opposition, then you are, get, you're, you're trying to find the trajectory for your own development and life through pushing back against a Western system or you know, veganism because you fell too hard into it or carnivore or anything like that. And you're not self-perpetuating, right? You know, so it's something it's very, that's what self-agency is, being self-perpetuating. It takes that implosive energy. It's harder to get momentum. It's much easier just to like actually be like, my, I'm waving the banner of like, screw the Western, you know, pharmaceutical system. I'm now important because I'm pushing off and I'm getting friction and excitement in my life through pushing back against you or whatever, whatever it is. It's tempting. Oh, I, so I, are you saying, yeah, I can see this. So these identity, like these function-based identities of sorts, the FBI is sort of, are you saying like a vehicle for, it could be a, for a vehicle for transformation or evolution as long as someone doesn't get attached beyond diminishing returns. Is that what I'm kind of hearing you? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, and it's, yeah. And it's a nice phase. It's nice to be aware of that phase and enjoy it and enjoy that, that cynicism that comes from, you know, your, your own resentment that you were so gullible that you fell for that path or realizing that, hey, you're trying to form, you know, you're getting outraged by, you know, you're trying to you know, form an identity through the outrage of those people harming, you know, harming others. And that's good. Go, go through that phase because it's a maturation place, but be aware that at some point you're going to have to tools down and go through an initiation process and become more of an integrated self-perpetuating person that has your own identity rather than, you know, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I mean, I'm just, I'm big on interesting people and I've, and I, and I, I can't stand people that have, you know, like they're just missionaries for some, even if they think that they've created their own new religion, I can still, I can smell when someone's working off a script. It's like a comedian that won't, you know, won't give up, you know, the old, the old material, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I, I, I get it, you know, but can you please be more spontaneous and interesting? I hear you on that. <laughs> I, it, that, that the, the visuals I get for that is like my daughter hanging out with like a bunch of five-year-old little girls dressing up, like playing dress up for fun. Like there's a whole wardrobe to say there's a whole wardrobe of fun outfits. 
And then like one of them gets like stuck, like this is my outfit forever. Yeah. And, 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 like how fun would that be? <laughs> and and that's what it sounds like is there, it is fun to dress up. It is fun to try. And and that's, I, you know, I'm not, I haven't ever been one to like really dive into the ego conversations. It comes up a lot, but my understanding of ego is sort of like, um, the way you don't you don't lose an ego, you can. Uh, I feel like you can get gain more harmony with it by um, drag or resistance, meaning that you're willing to switch your like play with it rather. And then you can you can play with the ego of not having one. And that's a, sounds like a fun game too to be egoless, but that sounds like egoic to me. So I, I just there's something with the five year olds dressing mm. up that makes it simpler for my mind. <laughs> I mean, again, it's, I mean, like that's the beauty of multi-dimension, multi-dimensional way of approaching, approaching life, keeping the mind slippery, um, is that at some point you can analyze ego and then at some point realize it doesn't exist and, you know, it doesn't really exist in separation. It's nice to be able to go into reductionism and then stop bringing the scalpel to the psyche. That's what, that's what Gray's anatomy does. It's like, you know, does, where does the liver, you know, where does the fascia kind of end? What's the end point? You know, does the liver, does it actually you know, exist, it does. And, and it's really useful for us to be able to go, well, let's for all intensive purposes say it stops here. But then there, at, at the same time, there's another language where that there's no endpoint. Where's the endpoint with the, of the fascia? You can't, you bring a scalpel and decide where the endpoint of, you know, of the body is, but you actually, you have to be able to, in order to actually, you know, be a vibrant hundred year old, you need to, as well as the reductionism colonialized mindset, it's, you know, you need to be able to have that, that, conversation that's like not just like oh i'm going to be like you know hippy dippy and be like it's all connected and it's all one you don't know to stop and, and like it's like no it that's that's fact that's like you know that's a that's a perceivable fact of you you there's it actually does flow into in, into one another and there is actually no end point to like in the Taoism into that that liver wood system i can feel within me that brings on that you know if i look at wood and sprouts and you know if i can look at you know grasses and bamboo i'm like oh yeah i can kind of feel and understand that quality inside of myself and I can feel that limpness and then I can feel that erectness coming back and I can feel when it becomes too erect and rigid and there's all this dried wood within me that that leads to frustration and stagnation and then leads to my my heart having too much fire and that you know leads on to the, the, the fire burning so hard that it's too hot for my shen or my mind to actually sit down settled and observe things in a, in a present manner. It's like, I can feel that, you know, that's like, that's the storytelling. That's like, a night, that's, that's real. That's reality. And then the whole commodification of ancient systems, the commodification of Chinese medicine, in the fifties of Mao, when he came in and put the scalpel to it, we're going to chop out that shit. And we're just going to look at what we can package and sell to the West. And we'll leave some real like fun things around chi. So Westerners are like, oh, how exotic. And, you know, the Chinese are still like, yeah, it's still, it's still got its essence, but it's like, it doesn't. You put the scalpel to it. You've started going into reductionist diagnostics. You are working off like this equals that when that doesn't exist. All that exists is the transformation of yin and yang perpetually, constantly. Perhaps you can, you know, go like, hone in a little bit and see, you know, through the five elements, the wuxing that there are, it's, 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 it has function to feel uh, this is where, this is what is occurring within the, the yin yang expression, which we see as water, perhaps feel as water yin yang. And we can see that 
that qihua, which is the transformation of one, you know, expression of qi from, you know, yin to yang or yang to yin or a particular, you know, combination from one to the other, there's, there's something that's in the way of that transformation cycle. And so coming back and realizing that's all there is rather than diagnostics, outcome, balance, off your poppy little scallywag, where that leads to people getting their appendix just taken out in Western world. And they're like, off you go, little ruffle on the head, get out of here. You know, you don't need that thing. Like that's like, it's such, it's such, it's, it's so beautiful to have that system in that language, but so dangerous. And that's where I like, you know, it's what I like about Superfeast is I get to go back to, you know, the roots and learn about classical Chinese medicine, Taoist, you know, the reality of, of that language, which is, which is whole and isn't just like some, oh, that's some, that's something nice to be kept in a glass cabinet. Remember when we used to just look at Chinese medicine as yin, yang, wu, xing and transformation cycles? Well, that was nice, but you know, let's, it's like, it's like such a, a condescending way of looking at something which is its own medical tradition, but it was just, you know, it's just been taken, it's just been commodified. And both both Western and, you know, t- traditional Chinese medicine as it's been Westernized and classical Chinese medicine could live in harmony in awareness that they are very different systems, very different systems. And there maybe is some, you know, benefit to the reductionism and look, starting looking, you know, integrating aspects of cardiology into into you know traditional Chinese medicine, but at the same time, you're not talking about Chinese medicine now as a, in a classical sense. Just just don't be such an you know when we talk about ego, don't be such a reductionist ego to think that you have bettered that system. That system stands alone, and you can't actually you can't isolate the heart. You can't even you can't isolate the kidneys. We can talk about kidney water without acknowledging. You know, that there's like, you know, we're, oh, we're talking about the organs. No, we're talking about the kidney water system there. And it's only when you can get into that realm and stay in that realm that you can practice a non-colonized classical Chinese medicine that's rooted in Taoism, which is super effective and can be adopted in the home. All folk medicine goes based on that, perceiving the holism. And then it's the way the reductionist mind has gone to war with that because it's not interesting enough to have its own identity, identity and be happy with itself. And the people within it need to validate themselves because they know they're not a complete system. They could be a wonderful system that's in collaboration with other languages of healing and ways of seeing the world. But no, I need to, I need to own it all. And you guys are just little, you know, you're just these little things that we'll allow to come out every now and then and you can have your little remedies every now and then, but we're the real deal. Um, it's gone wild. We're going to talk about ego gone wild. Like that's, that's reductionist ego, absolutely gone wild, thinking it's the creator of health, um, which I kind of like, I really, I love. I, like, I, I, like I really enjoy having that dynamic. And um, I love the process that that reductionist Western medicine and Western Chinese medicine, I love the process it's going through because it's interesting. And it's something, it's a tale as long, you know, as, you know, it's a tale, you know, it's like old as time, you know, like dualism and finding harmony between two, um, two oppositions, but that bringing validity and, you know, remembering just how real that differing language of perception of the whole that allows you, you, that's something you can feel. When I was talking about not being interesting enough to not live by lists or when, you know, trying to, you know, eat and, you know, bring herbal supplementation and everything with awareness of just the adrenal glands or just the thyroid, like you start there, but remember you can bridge always back over to that other language where you're not perceiving thyroid, you perceive something else. And that's where 
classical Chinese medicine exists. We're just like looking at what's going on within the metaphor of elements in the body to bring harmony to the way qi is moving and transforming, which is, it can be taken out of any system and be taken back to any earth-based system, earth, sun, you know, like base system. That's like just restore harmony to the best of our ability. And we're lucky there's a, everyone's learning, you know, ways to do that in, you know, with more acuity which is great. As long as we are aware we're speaking two different languages, they can't be layered on top of each other. Yeah. Thanks for exploring all that. That was a good, I, I enjoyed That's a, that was a good, some good ideas shared in a, uh, a way that I think will like open up curiosity, a lot of curiosity. So thank you for that. Um, I know we're getting close. I have, I have this recording will end in 14 minutes and I might, t- I, I do want to talk about more things, but, just to make sure, Superfeast, you mentioned it. Was that at superfeast.com? How do people find that? And do you ship to like you at United States or other countries? How's that work? We're in America, at, baby. And America. Oh, we're Look like, at it that. took a long time. <laughs> Congratulations we were, we were in America. on that. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, where do people go? Superfeast.com. And then if people um, want to follow you specifically, where would they go? They'd go, probably the Instagram is the best place, Mason, at Mason J. Taylor. Okay. Um, We'll we'll include both of those in the show notes. Yeah, if you jump on the, if you go to Superfeast Instagram and newsletter, if you want to hear me talk about like this kind of thing, Taoism, Taoist tonic herbalism, that's the herbs that we work with at Superfeast. We're working with these herbs that emerge from that system, that classical system that, uh, you know, we invite into our, into our culture, into our diet, um, develop relationships with to maintain harmony um, in within our body, within our energetic system, and within our mind. And they are, it's it's incredible that we get to have access to them. You know, grown. You know, we grow them based on you know the text that's over two thousand years old. It's a system called Didao, and that tells you, hey, there's this this is the province or this is the mic and this is the microclimate and the seed or spore or rhizome needs to come from that microclimate it can't can't be in you know it can't be commercialized it's like a, it's a value system or a virtue system this is the environment to get the most out of that herb so it's spirits alive and so we we grow that way um that's why we grow you know it's a Taoist ancient chinese system so we, we work with little micro farms all around china and there's videos i think i sent you the video of me at our deer farm um, the, the deer ant, where the deer antler comes from. And yeah, you can see there's lots of videos of me, um, you know, in, in China talking to our farmers and you can see, yeah, I mean, you know, just like at my business, I still own my 10 years in nearly 11 years in, I'm still the sole owner. Um, don't, in, don't intend on bringing any other influences into my, my baby. It's now a toddler, my little business growing up. Um, and that's the same with like the way we source the herbs. We, you know, we, we aren't willing to work with independent farmers, you know, who've like not just some big conglomerate who's like, you know, oh, you need, you need D-Dow Reishi. Yeah, we've got D-Dow Reishi, just a big warehouse full of it. You can get as much as you want. D-Dow Reishi doesn't work like that. <laughs> it does not work. Like you can't just get, if you, when your standards are that high, you know, this is like the, we're looking for the greatest Reishi in the world where that still maintains the capacity to scale and get access to um, give that, you know, give people access to that reishi. But that puts a, that puts a cap at times on how much you can get access to. And I like that. Um, I mean, yeah, we, we, we work with that system. So, you know, the, like for me, fruiting bodies, 
to, to like for thousands of years. It's the brooding bodies that we've been able to get access to. Um, you know, the, that reishi that grows from that oak, that wild oak and, you know, well, and other, other, it's oak in, in when you start cultivating within a farm, but, you know, whatever, whatever it's growing out of. And so, you know, I definitely value people wanting to scale big time and grow on grain and get access to the body and the mycelium that you can, like, I love that specialization, but you can see that's a different language. That's the, that's the language of reductionism that we're talking about. They're going for particular compounds which is really good in clinical settings, you know, cancer research, all those kinds of things. I'm like, I know those minds. They need to know that that, that compound has been studied. You know, I, sometimes I don't agree with it. Sometimes I'm like, wow, the breakthrough, amazing. You know, that's so good. That's going to get into a hospital system and is in hospital systems because it can speak that language. But for people going, trying to pin that against what, what I do, it's the different languages. They can't be pinned against each other. I'm working within a whole, like a, like the, those beta-glucans, even though I know that compound that people are going for within the mushrooms, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't exist. It just, you know, it just doesn't exist in my language. How can I know in this, this I don't even have any mushrooms around me. They're on the altar. Um, that doesn't exist. That's like if I'm drinking my hot chocolate, connecting to, you know, the, you know, the fact that the story of these being these, these mushrooms, you know, being the ultimate protectors of our body. That's the way the Taoists are saying. These are these are the ultimate protectors. They are cultivating our treasures, protecting the body, helping us fortify those layers that help us not be invaded by particular energies. I love speaking that language. I also then love talking about viruses and immunity. I like both those languages, but you can't layer them on top of each other. They're different languages. And when I'm having a, say, a hot, you know, made a hot chocolate that's like I've got a mega dose of mushrooms in it, it's you can feel the romance and the sensory engagement and the connection and the actual relationship go away. If I'm going, mm, this is going to have beta-glucans that are you know, going to be at high weight that get through my stomach and so that they can be prebiotics for the bacteria within my small intestine. And then they're going to hit receptor sites of macrophages within my, my gut lining. And then the macrophage is going to gobble them up and go into the system and poo them out. And they're going to be perfectly you know, it's going to be perfectly shaped, those beta-glucans, like, it, like my immune system was designed to ingest these tree mushrooms and it's going to turn the lights on of my immune system and it's going to activate and have the capacity to regulate itself. I'm like, I actually do find that's actually quite romantic talking about that, but <laughs> I feel like, and I feel connected to it, but rather than that doesn't work. If I can sit and just connect to the intention that I have in that moment and feel gratitude for the fact that I get to have access to these herbs, I get to work with these herbs that, you know, thinking about the millions of people that dedicated their lives to this, say, in this instance, this Taoist system, they've been sitting there meditating, feeling, what, what does it feel like when this reishi, you know, is cultivated? What happens when I look for the reishi with intent and I have reverence? Wow, I feel much different over the, that the five years of having reverence were different to the five years when I just saw it as a commodity. Let's document that into a text that people will be able to learn about later and let's somewhat have a system that's like, oh, wow, I feel this is cultivating something. What is that? It's a, a system. And so like, it's like, well, I feel like my bones, my potential is getting stronger when I work with you, this bark, this eucomia bark that heals bones clinically. But then I feel this fortification of this thing, you know, that energy, what is it? It's like that, it's like a jing. This jing energy is like, it's the foundation of the wax of my candle. The amount of 
inconceivable un, un, hours that have gone in to in, in days and years and lives that have gone into bringing us this wisdom that's here right now. It's difficult to connect to. And I'm like, does this have 30% uh, beta glucans? Because that's like hearing that scientific study, the beta glucans is the active constituent. I'm like, like I, I love it, but you know, I'm not going to pin, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, you can feel the muse and the inspiration that's there when you can connect to that history. And, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll go and have a conversation of commodification and love it as well, but I'm not going to put, I'm not going to pin my muse or the muse of millions of lives and, and put it into a competition against other, other companies and other businesses based on a scientific study, because the muse will leave and the spirit will leave. And that's, or we'll cut it out. And you know, I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get my scalpel and slice. I just want the good shit out of your ancient system and fuck off the rest. It's so disrespectful. And that's kind of where I'm at with like with herbs and, and mushrooms. I <laughs> uh, like that. Oh, that, was, that was good. Thank you. I'm happy we snuck that in. Is there anything else you wanna make sure we talk about? If, we got, if there's about five more minutes on this recording. Not really. I mean, like, I, um, I'm, I love, I love interacting with, you know, with any, anyone that's a slight interest when it comes to tonic herbalism and super feast, it's our job. And, you know, we're, we're going to be an intergenerational business that walks, you know, that path as people come into the, you know, discovering what harmony is for them, for themselves. Um, we, um, we love chatting. We love chatting on Instagram. We love, you know, you know, calling us, you know, we love, poking holes, you know, understanding that you know, I've got a lot of questions that do lie within that Western place or I've got symptoms that I'm working on, even though that's not what we do, you know, throw them at us where we won't send you away somewhere else. We'll be like, say like, hey, cool. Like, you know, this is from, from the Taoist herbal perspective, this is the role they can play in your life. It might have lots of relevance now. Maybe it'll have relevance in, um, you know, a few months when you're going through a convalescence healing, or maybe you are at a point where you're like, yeah, what, what you want to actually, what you want to be cultivating is your foundational capacity to have a nice, long, healthy life. So you're a rad 90 year old that doesn't project your psychological dysfunctions onto everybody else and isn't an asshole is another way to put it. And so we've got lots of different angles. And so we're here to walk that path with you. And, um, so yeah, in like chat to us, email, call, everything. If you're in, if you're in the southern, if you're in Australia, it's um, superfeast.com.au. So we're, but when we're just kind of finding our feet in America, we've got a small crew based here in Australia, and with, so we're just kind of finding our way of how to, you know, main, maintain the integrity and the essence of the company as we as we grow. So that's like we're going through that process. So all feedback's really beautiful, and um, yeah, and, and just for my stuff, you know, be if you go to my pod, my Instagram. You know, I'm like, again, like I'm, I'm kind of trying to like scratch my comedic um, tickle at the moment. So, you know, I'm like, you're not going to come and get me talking airy fairy. You'll, you know, come and see me trying to doing bad accents and taking, you know, taking the piss out of um, Mullumbimby spiritual culture and trying to be a scallywag. That's good to hear. The, the, hey, the capsule of comedy. If you're talking about supplements, the ca- it seems like the capsule of comedy makes the truth easiest to swallow for a lot of yeah. people. Um, my parents watched this show called McLeod's Daughter. You know anything about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never caught it myself, but I believe it was um, 7.30 on a Wednesday night on Channel 7. Um, 
They love it. They love it. They were talking about uh, Drover's Run. Is that the name of it? Because uh, I was telling them I was about to interview you. And then they were like, oh, you know, talking. And then they were like, right. Oh, tell them. Say they're like, make sure you tell uh, them right. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, And then what? Leave oh, you to oh it. God. Leave bloody you to cows it. Cows out again. <laughs> what do you mean? The cows out. There's a bloody sandstorm coming. Right. Oh, Looks like we're on. Get the kids back to the bloody shed. We're going out there. No, it's dangerous. I'm not leaving a bloody cow behind. All right. I'll, I'll leave you to it. Is that another one? Is that another phrase? That was the other one they thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, those accents yeah. are good. I'll, I'll, you, you, you definitely can change your accent quickly. That's pretty impressive. Keep keep at it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, keep breaking normal. Thank you. Thank you for everything. I think this is going like, to automatically stop the recording in a minute. So, woo-wee. That was good. I Thanks so much been... for the invite, ma'am. No, really, yeah, I love your work. It's been great hovering in and out, you know, like what you're, you know, what you're up to and over, you know, over such a long amount of time. It's, um, it's great meeting you and always interesting to meet. I feel, you know, you've been so vulnerable throughout your, your journey and, you know, a great reference point for myself at many times. So to then come and have this conversation feeling like knowing so much, but then having that human connection, I, I like it. It's very interesting. And I really, yeah, I really like the, yeah, I really, I really like what you do. Thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, what's your birthday? My birthday? Yeah, for some reason I like did we did we talk about this before? I'm just wondering. I think so. No, third of June, eighty six. No, why do I? What? My birthday is June first. <laughs> my birthday is June first. I'm, I'm wondering ah. if I knew about this somehow. Twins, like twins. Oh, I met someone the other day that a friend told me to meet, and we met. And sure enough, somehow the birthday conversation came up, and sure enough, her birthday is June first. There's a, then, there's a big cluster around that first to fifth, I feel. There might be. There was, Jay Arias might be June 5th or 6th back there. So, hmm. Early Geminis. All righty. All righty. To be continued. There's a lot more to talk about. So uh, we'll continue the conversation in whatever dimension that happens next. Yeah, man. I think we've got a lot to chat about. Yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep it going. Thanks for everything. And yeah, follow Mason. I've seen some funny stuff popping up. So I'm looking forward to more. Me too. I'm getting a personal assistant starting next week, finally, who's going to give me more time to actually slot. No, I need that slot for silly voices like in my calendar. So hopefully a lot more to come. Well, wow. My other, my other business brother from actual blood, Nathaniel, he's, he's getting a personal assistant. <laughs> assistant like, he's like, he's definitely, he's dedicated to getting one. So now it's like two and two day I hear this. I'm like, Hey, if someone's listening to this and looking for a personal assistant gig for something that I'm up to, let's let's talk about it. Let's continue that conversation as well. So, thanks for the reminder there as well, man. Absolutely, thanks for pleasure, everything. Man. Yeah, Thank you. talk soon. Take care. Big love. Peace.